Hey everybody, welcome on into another episode of The Ramblin' Rabbi. Hope you're doing well on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. We've got a lot to talk about and we will get into a bunch of different topics. We'll talk about all of the major sports suspending their games yesterday and some today. We'll talk about the playoffs, should they resume, what that's going to look like. Teams, we'll talk about hockey, we'll talk a little baseball, and uh, football is around the corner. We will touch upon that all, as well as, of course, a thought for the week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. As always, feedback is much appreciated. Let's get after it. We'll start off in the NBA. Let's take a look at the action on the court, and then we'll talk about what happened off the court. Boston beating Philly so soundly was a little bit surprising. Not that surprising due to the fact that Ben Simmons was out. And I don't know if it's Embiid's conditioning or something, but he looked exhausted. Um, Boston is a very, very good team. They play really, really well on the defensive end. And it's going to be a very interesting series that they have with Miami. Jason Tatum is a bona fide star. Jalen Brown and company. Kemba Walker, when he's healthy, is definitely a game changer. That team is going to be good, and I hate to say it as a Lakers fan, but the Celtics can absolutely run the table. They have a team that's deep enough and talented enough, both ends of the floor, along with their stars, to take on any team in either conference, in my opinion. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Miami matches up. Miami likes to muck things up. That's the style of their game. Uh, You know, a lot of try to get into transition, getting into passing lanes, creating easier baskets for themselves. Their half-court game is very muddled. So especially when you look at their face of their franchise right now with Jimmy Butler, I think he, he really personifies that grit. And it'll be interesting. Can Miami get under Boston's skin and make the game come to them and play their brand of basketball because if it's Boston's way, then uh, they're going to win that series. Miami taking out Indiana also in four games was interesting, but again, Indianapolis was definitely not at full strength. They were not all healthy, so there's no surprise there when you look back at it. Not even winning one game, maybe a little bit, but ultimately Miami was a better team. The Lakers and the Blazers. Well, we talked about this two weeks ago. If the Lakers are going to win, they're going to have to play very good defense and hit shots. Well, you saw in the first game that they lost, they didn't do that. And the games after that, they had started hitting shots. Anthony Davis has been great. LeBron has been great. And the other guys have been stepping up. The defense has been pretty darn good. And that's why they're up three games to one. And they should win the next game and finish and close out that series. The Clippers and Mavs. Again, we talked about this two weeks ago. The most, in my opinion, still the most exciting uh, series right now. They've already exceeded expectations winning two games, and Luka has become a superstar. And the next big thing is right there in Dallas, folks. Luka Doncic is your superstar and will be the face of the NBA, which says a lot, a foreign player being the face of the NBA. That's, that's a big deal, and especially being so young, so unassuming, uh, That's a guy that I think everybody can root for. Uh, Hitting that game winner was just phenomenal. So already, you know, winning two games. Yes, they lost, and they're down three games to two, and they're probably going to lose the series. As we said, the Clippers, with that depth, are going to be a very tough out. 
but so are the Mavs, and, and that's been a really, a really good series. And in fact, it's not even over yet. I mean, we'll see what happens, especially with this uh, postponement of games, gives more time for Porzingis to heal up. So you never know. You really never know. Uh, each game has been uh, a very good game, except for last, which was a blowout. Paul George finally showed up. And, you know, when Paul George shows up, this is the reason why the Clippers are favored to go to the title. Um, Kawhi and Paul on their own when they're playing like that make it extremely difficult. Uh, Patrick Beverly being hurt, though, will affect them down the line in the next series and the series after that should they advance. So that's something to keep an eye on for the Clippers. The Jazz and the Nuggets. The Nuggets, um, you know, stave off elimination one more game. Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have been going at it. That has been a very fun series to watch as well. Surprising that Utah is playing so well. I think Mike Conley coming back has been a big boost for them. Gives them another really good shooter, a guy who can really set the the floor. Uh, A great point guard, as we remember, with Memphis, and he's doing that now with Utah in a little bit of a different role. So Utah can finish this out. I mean, Denver still has the talent to turn this into a seven-game series. It's a toss-up. We'll see how this uh, progresses has been very, very interesting. Donovan Mitchell really putting on a show with Jamal Murray. So that's been a really good series. The Rockets and the Thunder, it's starting to get a little spicy. Uh, um, Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook were going at it in the last game. Chris Paul delivered some heroics. That's going to be a good series. Houston should win that. They really should win that. They have the horses to do it. They have the talent. They have a better team, in my opinion. Yes, Oak City can play a pretty good game together, and they have pretty good defense, but it's pretty good, not great. And Houston should be able to finish that series out and um, move on to the next round. You know, Toronto beating the Nets, no surprise there, and Milwaukee making short work so far of the Magic, and they should be closing out in that in the next game. Also, no surprise there. The things to keep an eye on for Milwaukee is get Giannis help. You need more guys hitting shots consistently, and the defense has to be better. For Toronto, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, this is a really good team. The way that they play together is just so cohesive. There's nobody who needs the ball. They move it so well. They got guys inside. They got guys outside. And the defensive energy has got to be number one. I mean, really, really a great job. So we're looking at a really fun round next um, for the next round of the playoffs. And uh, we'll see as the first round comes to a close, and then we'll preview round two uh, as that one is done. Let's talk about the postponement, the boycott, and all of that. Here are my thoughts on it, because I've seen this again really cause a massive flare-up, both sides of the aisle. Everybody's talking about it. Yes, it's good. No, it's not. What are they doing? How much of an effect does it really have? Well, let's start with this. What is the purpose of the boycott? And the Bucks, when they did make the boycott, this wasn't just a spur of the moment. ESPN had, a, had an in-depth look at this. They were talking to the Attorney General of Milwaukee. They even were talking to, uh, I think, the Assistant Governor of, of uh, Wisconsin. They, have been, they were in talks for three hours with different officials. And their end game was, we want change. We want to see actionable items, and this was being discussed not just amongst themselves, but with people who can help make the change that they want, help make it a reality, give them ideas and actionable items to their cries for change. 
And that's huge because just yelling and shouting isn't going to do anything. Ultimately, give you an example, a parent and a child. The yelling and shouting will get the parent's attention. They'll take a look at what's happening, if everything's okay. And when they make their issues known, then the parent or parents can address it. But if the child is just having a tantrum and yelling, kicking, and screaming, ultimately the parent's going to ignore it, and that's that. And for the players and everybody else who are making a you know, big stink about it and, and raising awareness, it's got to have an end game to it. And I think what the Bucks did there is great because it has an end game to it. There was a purpose for it, and we'll find out more how this is going to work. I do think Adam Silver has to be very, very careful, though, because, yes, they had agreed to go into the bubble with the idea that change is going to be made and things are going to happen. But again, conversation was taken off the table, something else that the media wants to focus on, something else that everybody else is putting viral. So the chance for there to be a continuity in the conversation that will lead to actionable items was lost. And then happened again with the Jacob Blake incident. And so now the yelling and shouting begins again. But there is an end game here that they were looking for. There are actionable items that they want to see happen. Here are some ideas that are given to you guys is what the uh, politicians and government officials were sharing with the Bucks, And I think that's exactly what you would want to see. So the boycott helped saying, all right, guys, we need to see change. And a lot of them just want to see change. They don't know necessarily how to get that. They don't know necessarily who to turn to or what to do. So involving the other parties that can help with that was huge, huge. And I think that's the key there. Being frustrated, being upset is totally within anybody's realm. No one can tell you how to feel. However, if there's going to be change, then demanding change is step one and start implementing actionable steps to take is, is at, is, you know, the second stage of this. And this is what we need to start seeing is that second stage. And that second stage ultimately cannot happen without the conversation. So good on the Bucks for having that conversation and not just stomping out like a bunch of little angry children, but rather stomping out with a purpose and a goal in mind and having that conversation. So they are clearly stating it. That's awesome. That's, that's exactly what uh, I think I can appreciate and many people can appreciate. I'd love to hear your feedback on, on all of this. But the boycott got the attention and hopefully we'll see um, you know, what steps are going to be taken, what actions are we going to be seeing that is taken on behalf of, let's say, NBA Cares. And then from a government perspective, you know, within the city, county, state, um, country, etc., let's see what happens. And this was rough because all the sports really took a pause here. And that was an historic event for sure. So, you know, with the NFL canceling practices and some of the MLB games canceling and MLS canceling. So it's going to be an interesting, again, couple of weeks moving forward. And I think as uh, was talked about with the George Floyd incident, you know, are they putting things in motion that can be taken, steps that can be taken right now. That is what needs to be said. What steps are being taken right now? That's what should be tweeted. That should be talked about. And playing these games ultimately gives a platform, uh, I think even a bigger platform than 
just social media, meaning when they tweet or things like that, because you can be talking to a much broader audience than the people who follow you or watch your every single move. They'll tune in, and, and that can be something that is said that would be appreciated by uh, more than just, quote-unquote, your camp. So good on the NBA, good on the Bucks for doing this the right way, which is looking for steps to be taken right now, not just demanding change, which that's a good step one, but how are we going to implement change? Um, having a conversation with somebody about this, there are, you know, it's hard to put in some actionable items on a feeling um, of, you know, being racist or not, etc. But it, it comes down to education, uh, integration. These are steps that can be taken. Um, of course, this is going to be a long road to recovery, if you will, and we should be patient. We should start doing it, but be patient with the results. We're talking about years and years and years and years that need to be quote-unquote undone and then put back together in a way that works for everybody, that there is understanding for everybody on of all colors, all races, all creeds. It's going to take time, but there are things that can be done. The kind of education, the experiences, the integration, it's possible one step at a time. And I think that's the key, is getting our act together to have actions being done slowly but surely will create a positive change um, that I think we all want to see. Let's move to the baseball diamond, take a quick look around the league, see what's going on. The Twins, um, as we said in the beginning of the season, they're going to be bashing home runs and running the Central, which they definitely are now. The White Sox have been a pleasant surprise that hitting is unbelievable. I mean, they are just been, they've been red hot. And uh, pitching's been pretty good too. So they're tied with the Indians. The Tigers and the Royals sit at the bottom. The Rays are in first place, ladies and gentlemen. They are in first place in the AL East. That pitching is great. They are a clutch team. The Yankees are hurt, and I know that, but to see the Rays two and a half games up on the Yankees is very... Uh, it's surprising. Uh, we got that wrong for sure. The Blue Jays around 500. The Orioles are just under 500, and the Red Sox are an absolute mess. The Red Sox being an absolute mess is got to be disappointing if you're a Red Sox fan. I, I know you probably don't think that they would have been as good as last year, but to be 10 and 21 is ultimately a huge failure, and they had the talent to be much better than that, and they're not. So. That is a big problem the Red Sox are going to have to address this season and what they're going to be doing for next season. I ultimately think, though, the Yankees will be fine. Um, if they're not going to take the division, they will definitely be in the playoffs, and I think anything can happen at that point. I think they have the talent, if healthy, to run the AL East. In the West, well, let's take a look. The Athletics, 22-10. and 10. Uh, doing what they do, doing what they do. They have jumped up big time. The Astros at 17 and 14 have not gone off to the start that they wanted. And that's too bad for them. Good for everybody else. They're lucky they're not getting beamed every game. The Mariners, Rangers, and Angels are just not good. The Angels, I mean, again, we, we mention this. Everybody talks about this. Mike Trout is being done a disservice. When the greatest player in our generation is stuck on a team that is 10 and 22 and has not done enough to help him um, reach the playoffs 
It's sad. It's really sad. I mean, they need to be getting pitching, and they need to be getting pitching by the boatload. They just can't win a game like this. I mean, yes, they have Pujols, Otani, Rendon, and Trout, and a couple of other guys who are playing well, like Stasi. You can't. You can't win without pitching, and they are atrocious. So they get no pitching. They will be sitting in the basement. The National League, the Cubs... Well, they were on fire. They ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw uh, this past week and a half or so, but they still have the lead in that division, and it's, it's just so off. The Cardinals have only played 20 games. The Cubs have played 10 more games than them, 10 more games, which is just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for the Cardinals because their schedule is going to be insane. So I don't know if it's fair to pass judgment on how the team is We'll have to look at that as the season progresses and there are more games under their belt. But they, they really are getting the short end of the stick. And there's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, it's just really not much that you can do. Um, the Pirates at 7-19 and 19 are the worst team in baseball. And, I mean, what can you say? They just don't have pieces. They don't have a good team. The Braves? The Braves uh, looked good. They took a doubleheader from the Yankees the last couple of nights. And, um, again... That pitching stays good. They've got the hitting. They've got the defense. Uh, the Braves should win the NL East. There are no real contenders from the East that I would say right now can really catch them. So it's Atlanta's division to lose. The Nationals have been a bit of a disappointment. The Dodgers, well, I'm, I'm partial because I'm a Dodgers fan. The pitching for the most part has been pretty good. The hitting has slowly but surely started to get on track, but they've got to get all pieces clicking. Because anything can happen in the playoffs, and you just don't know who to trust. So, yes, they're 22-9, and nine, and all the numbers look great. But, again, data doesn't always tell you the full story. Stats don't always give you the full picture. So let's see what happens come playoff time. Um, the Padres right now are, are looking great at 18-13. and 13. I mean, Fernando Tatis, who doesn't love watching him? What a joy to watch play baseball. He's having so much fun out there. And this team is going to make the playoffs like this. There is no question. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see with them. So baseball is in a pretty good spot given the fact that they had such a disaster getting started. Um, we'll see if they can keep up the momentum that they've built and ultimately how they're going to deal with teams who have played way less games than others and issues of corona popping up. Let's jump on the ice for a quick minute here as we take a look at the uh, NHL playoffs. Let's start with Vegas and Vancouver. Uh, that series is tied at one. Vancouver's offense finally clicked in Game 2. Um, that's going to be a fun series. Uh, Vancouver's definitely up and coming, and they're here. I don't know if they're good enough yet to take over and beat the Knights. I do think Vegas should win that series. Philly and the Islanders, the Flyers and the Islanders. Uh, that series is also tied at one. Philly... Finds a way to win usually, but the Islanders have proven up to the task. I'm going to pick the Islanders in this series. It's a little bit of an upset as Philly is just a very, very strong team. But I think the Islanders have had a lot of uh, luck slash young talent coming through slowly but surely. And I think the Islanders may end up taking this um, matchup, which would be pretty cool to see. It's been a little while since the Islanders have been this good. Tampa Bay at Boston. Tampa Bay's up two games to one, and after just crushing Boston in last game, seven goals, uh, Tampa Bay is looking like the powerhouse everybody's expected them to be, best team in the league, 
ultimately everyone wants to know, can they take it to the next step and win the cup? Games like yesterday will tell you absolutely. Tampa Bay is going to run Boston out of town. They're going to take that series. The Avalanche and the Stars. The Stars have the moxie. They're up two games to one with Colorado. Uh, pretty much in a must-win game coming through. Nathan McKinnon is just one of the best players on the planet right now for the Avalanche. Can he continue to help this team? Can he even the series with the Stars? We'll see. The Stars have, have uh, battled through with expectations pretty high for this team, but they have been able to find ways to win. That has been the story with this team. They have been able to find ways to win, and I do think that Dallas is going to win uh, and take that series. Um, we've got... Um, I think that's pretty much it with our, our, uh, our um, teams in the playoffs. But, you know, it's been, it's been interesting so far to see, just to touch on the fact that players were upset, um, you know, with how the boycott um, postponing games was handled. But hockey's pretty much been on the fringe of these kinds of issues of uh, civil rights issues and racism, etc. It's really not been in, in hockey's periphery just about ever. So... We'll see if they really join in the conversation. How much do they do it and how meaningful of their joining is it really? Are they just paying lip service? Are they doing it because other leagues are doing it? Do they have a separate message that's powerful that they want to share? It'll be interesting to see in the next couple of days how the NHL addresses this. Here's the thought for the week. We're in a very special month, the month of Elul, when we get prepared We are preparing ourselves for the new year. And the way we look at this preparation is actually one of really a time of closeness. We get to talk to God in a way that we don't always get to do. God, as is explained, is like a king in the field, just coming out to meet and greet the constituents of his country, etc., And you can talk to the king as a buddy almost, have a casual conversation without all the fanfare, the awe and the glory of the royal palace and the garments and all of that. And it's really a chance for us to take a look at how we've done in our relationship with God. How have we done as as people relating to other people? What are things that we can work on so that this coming year is one of real true growth and one that we can look back on and say, man, this was a really great year. This past year has, has taken us for quite a ride. Uh, that's for sure. Very unexpected as, as COVID really threw us all for a big time loop. But we have the next several weeks to think about. Have we grown through this? Have we really grown as a person, as a community, society? What have we done during this time to take advantage of it? so that we can look back and say that this was not for just making everything miserable. Sure it did, but was there growth? Was there personal growth? And was there personal success? Was there an impact that I was able to make between you and me, God? And that's something we should think about, making the accounting, if you will, of how our year has gone. The good needs to be acknowledged. The not good also needs to be acknowledged. And taking uh, the steps necessary that need to be put into action for our coming year and making it a really good year. That's something we will think about for this week and the next as we head toward Rosh Hashanah, the new year. Wishing you all a wonderful day. Looking forward 
to connecting next week.